This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I've got a good spleen, an excellent spleen. And I'm Obstinensky, and I feel great, but if you can remind me of the Holocaust, I'm not going to feel so great. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here this week to discuss Season 2, Episode 5, The Thong, which originally aired on October 21st, 2001. Av, how many times in your life have you worn a thong? I think zero. <laughs> Although, you shouldn't have to think about it. I think the answer should be either, you know, definitely yeah, zero. Yeah, nothing, definitely not nothing zero. comes to mind. Uh, I guess it's possible. Yeah. I but... feel like when you got to string up your ass, you know it's up your ass. But Yeah, that sounds right. They call those uh, those like sandals that you wear to the beach. They also call thongs. So yeah, I've so worn that's those. That's a weird generational thing where when our mothers would ask us, "Oh, are you wearing your thongs?" Right. Like she refers to what we would call flip flops. Yeah. And we would say, "No, m- mother, you don't say that in this generation." Yeah, I hate I hate those uh, flip flops. The ones where like it goes into your between your toes. It, oh, between the toe and just gashes yeah, that little. Uh, yeah, that, those are terrible. Yeah. No, you need you need like open where yeah for freedom for your toes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, there's no reason to segregate the big toe from the rest <laughs> yeah. of the toes. No, it's just one of the toes. They're all the same. Yes. Yes, exactly. All toes matter. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, jump into the recap. All right, so Larry is in therapy, and he says he's really happy with his new sneakers because they're gray, and gray is a good color because white is too bright, and blacks look like a regular pair of shoes, and gray is really right of kind of right in the middle. And the therapist suggests maybe we should go back to talking about Cheryl. That's probably a better use of your time and money. Um, and Larry talks about how they never do anything together because she likes tennis and he likes golf and he can't play tennis because of his neck and she likes outdoors and he doesn't because outdoors is bad for bald people. Um, the therapist suggests maybe you can go to the beach. Uh, I, I think he says, you know, I've gone to the beach up in Santa Barbara and it's very nice. Uh, Cheryl, uh, Larry doesn't like the beach, but he realizes Cheryl would be very happy if he suggested that they go to the beach. So he basically, you know, agrees, you know, that's probably a good idea. I should probably do that. And they hug goodbye. Hold on. But what reason does he give why he hates the beach? He says, all those disgusting bodies walking (laughs) around, I'd have to look at them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a strange reason. There are many reasons to hate going to the beach. uh, Well, it's very foreboding, though, because apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Generally, generally you see very attractive bodies on the beach. Do you know anybody, either in pop culture or in your real life, in any context, do you know anyone in the world who's more like prominently, publicly, obsessively bald than Larry David? Mm. It's incredible. Yeah, it's like his defining characteristic. Yeah, um, more than Jew. Well, I would guess um, the the person he mentions later in the episode, Mister Clean, but that's not a real person. Yeah, but even Mister Clean or like Michael Jordan is famous. Although, of course, Michael Jordan and Mister Clean, we don't really count them as part of the bald community, right? Because they're making a choice. Yeah, Michael Jordan probably shaved his head because, like, when he was in fourth grade, somebody said something about people with hair, and he's like trying to get <laughs> yeah. back at that person. Yeah, I mean. Um, but um, Larry, it's like he's obsessed with it. It's like the first thing he always talks about. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a crutch. He's obviously very self-conscious about the hair. Yeah. And just like, well, I mean, look, if you've seen the pictures of Larry David in 1975, he had uh, quite the head Flowing hair, locks. So really, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, – sorry for interrupting you. With no problem. So uh, they hug goodbye, which is a weird thing to see Larry David do. And he walks outside and he bumps into Rob Reiner, who's waiting in the waiting room to see the therapist next. And they talk about therapy. They agree that it's nonsense. But Larry says, well, you know, you can't really bother friends with this nonsense, which I would argue proves that therapy is like not a nonsense and a waste of time because it gives him an outlet to talk about all the things that he obviously needs to get off his chest that he doesn't want to talk to 
to somebody who knows him from real life. So, yeah, uh, seems to me that's exactly what therapy is supposed to be for. <laughs> Although I think that Larry would, would share all this with Jeff also. Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm sure there are. But Je- Jeff's actually more expensive. On yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, Jeff gets ten percent. Plus, he takes. Food. Yeah, Jeff is probably getting ten percent of the therapist's fee here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he asks Larry. You know, he tells him. You know, I'm doing this uh, benefit for Grote syndrome. It's a. Uh, it's an illness that plagues people with hyperactivity, and he asks Larry if he'd be willing to be auctioned off to have lunch with somebody. Um. Larry. His initial reaction is like, I guess, but like, I can't imagine that anybody in the world would want to pay money to have lunch with me. I don't think anyone's going to bid more than 50 cents. And he, he also like expresses that like, he just like doesn't think it's going to be enjoyable because he's going to feel so much pressure to be entertaining that it's just going to be a bad experience for everyone. But Rob insists, no, it's a good idea. You'll see, you'll go for a lot of money. It's going to be great. Like, don't worry about it. And Larry agrees. Yeah. And by the way, you know, obviously us watching this in 2020, Larry's insistence that no one's going to want to go to lunch with him almost seems like a neurosis. But I think it was a much more reasonable thing for the Larry David in 2001 in the in the in the world of Curb, where Curb doesn't exist. So all he's done is is relatively anonymously, uh, you know, uh, co-created Seinfeld. But he's not like a, a famous face that everybody sees walking down the street. So I think it is a more justifiable concern for him to have. Yeah, uh, but you know, in the world of Curb. but he should expect that there there should be like some like just like Seinfeld super fans out there that one would hope so. Yeah. Although the guy he goes to lunch with has no interest in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then we get a scene here that I, I have to feel like was something else was cut out later because it just this this doesn't make any sense in the in the episode this scene as far as I could tell. In the he goes into the bathroom. He sees the therapist in there. He tries talking to him and telling him about the beach, and the therapist basically ignores him and walks out. And this feels to me like the type of thing that like an entire curb episode could have been built on the idea of like a therapist like not being willing to talk to him while he's not on the clock. But I think he does do that, and he makes a point of that, like, this guy never, you know, acknowledges him, like, because later on we see the therapist saw Larry at the beach also, but didn't go up to Larry and said, and would say hi, because he won't do Do we know that he saw him? Yeah, because he says so. He says, I know you're at the beach. No, Larry's theory is that Rob Reiner told him, because Rob Reiner heard it from... that's an insane Yeah, I don't know. Here's a guy at the beach. If he can see you, you can see him. Like, there was a clear line of sight. I guess. um, Larry's just amazing. Well, Larry... But to me, like, 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 Larry's all concerned about how to terminate... To me, the therapist refusing to say a word to him in the bathroom, that's termination-worthy right yeah, there. Yeah. Because it makes him seem to his patient like an incredible asshole yes. who has zero interest in their in his patients and only cares about the hourly fee. Yeah, I mean... Like, you want a therapist who cares who, who you are as a person and would engage with you, you know, even if he wasn't getting a dollar to do so. Yeah, I mean, and especially when it's like a therapist where, like, that is going to translate into the next session that you're having together where he's going to feel like now like you're not actually interested in hearing what he has to say and you're like obviously you're just doing it for the money to an extent but like you know you're and i think that is a consistent thing with this therapist even in the little we see him in fact in the beginning of the episode he's sitting there completely unresponsive as larry talks about the shoes now he might be correct that the shoes are not an ideal topic of conversation (laughs) but he just sort of sits there blankly Yeah. All right. I guess. I guess I hear it. I don't know. I'm not a fan of Doctor Weiss, and nothing to do with his, uh, you know, his uh, bathing suit. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is this where we get to talk about how awful the beach is? Um, we could talk about it here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the next scene I think is where you know uh, Larry tells Cheryl that she's going to go to the beach. Yeah. So she's shocked. She's like, she's. I can't believe. So excited. Yeah. She's so excited. She she agrees. Um, you know, Larry, she's, you know, well, don't you have to play golf this week? He says, no, it's okay. I don't have to play golf every Saturday, which she seems like she, uh, you could tell, like, she feels like she's being put on to something a little bit that like he's willingly giving up golf. Um, uh, but it's like, yeah, they agree. You know, I could miss one Saturday of golf and spend time with my wife. Um, Larry says, you know, what do I need to bring? She says, you just bring a bathing suit. I'll take care of everything else. She's just like so excited that this is happening. Um, he yeah. asks if she should bring a radio or something. What am I going to do there? She says, no, that would defeat the purpose. He's like, what? So I just like lie there on a blanket. And she's like, yeah, pretty much. That's what you do at the beach. Um, but Cheryl wouldn't allow you to like listen. Yeah, to, that's like, 2001. Listen yeah. to a CD. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to me, like the first awful thing about the beach, specifically with kids, is all the crap you have to bring. Yeah. And Cheryl does cover that. And that's good. Right. Except, he has, to, except scene, he has to schlep it all. Yeah, the next scene we see the second awful thing about the beach, especially with kids, which is schlepping all the stuff from the car to the beach. And Cheryl doesn't bother helping with that one at all. Yeah, she like she takes out like a pair of shoes and like a towel. Yeah, they arrive at the beach and Cheryl's like, "Oh, this is beautiful." Wanders off and leaves Larry to literally kick shit through the parking lot. Yeah, and that that's that scene. Uh, I, we're we're jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, yeah. that scene is. Uh, 
it's it's it was just as funny as I remembered it. Just like and it's like exactly what happens every time. Like it's like you're trying to hold a chair and the umbrella, and then like something falls. He tries to kick it up to his feet with his hit with his feet to kick it up to his hands. Uh, it's really great stuff. And he's just one one man and a wife. It's so much easier for him than it is for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like it's like the the main thing about the beach is that it's just like as you said, it's just like such an ordeal because like unless you're going to like a private beach club or something, there's nothing there except sand. So everything, if you want a chair, you need to bring it. If you want a towel, you need to bring it. If you want any food of any sort, you probably need to be. It's not that most beaches don't have like you know snack shacks everywhere you can get stuff. Uh, I will say, if you go to the beach in like Tel Aviv, it's very different. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, if you go, if you, they, they have snack shacks all over the right. place, right? And the, they have chairs. You'll have to pay like ten shekels for the chair, right? And obviously, there are more high end beaches. And if you go to like a beach at as like part of a resort, it's like it can be different. Um, oh well, well, yeah, but that's like a totally different yeah, yeah. Thing. But then you know, and then but then you have to get into like you're going to get attacked and murdered by the sun the entire time that you're there with no protection at all. Um, you're pr- but that's because we're Jews. So we yes, right. You're going here. to. Uh, inevitably like step on something sharp and cut your foot you're gonna be covered in seaweed at some point you're gonna smell like salt water for the rest of the day there's gonna be sand to smell like the beach. You're, there's gonna be sand in your shoes for the next six weeks in your ears, in your That's ears yeah so my my main thing about the beach is i don't i don't actually hate the beach i just don't understand <laughs> why what you would endorsement. i don't i just don't understand why you would go to the beach when pools exist because pools have all of the good parts of the beach um and very few of the bad parts and I, I i agree the beach is like very beautiful to look at and like the water is very nice um so like sometimes like if you go to a resort they'll have like a pool where it's like a little bit elevated and you could sit by the pool and you could see the beach from there and that's really all you need you don't need to interact with the beach you just need to see the beach yeah so i definitely disagree with you there pretty strongly <laughs> uh the, my take on the beach i always tell people is if they could invent a beach that did not have sand, it would be perfect. Yeah, because or uh, let me rephrase that because it's actually fun to like bury your kids yeah the sand, sand yeah like that it's fun to run on the sand. If they could invent a beach that as you exited the beach, every particle of sand was instantly removed from your body, it would be perfect. Yeah. Some kind of special sand magnet vacuum. Yeah, uh, I have gone several times with uh, listener Amir. There is a beach club or a pool club in Fairlawn, New Jersey, where Amir is from. And they have like it's like a man-made beach where the water is just like it's like a pool. It's not salt water, and that place is a pleasure to go to because it's also set up. You know, there's chairs. It's like it's like it's like a town pool, but it's a beach and a pool like in, together. It's really great. Yeah. So to me, like uh, to, a pool can't hold a finger to a beach because to me, what I love is swimming out into the water and the feeling of salt water, which is very different from being in a pool. The uh, you know the feeling of you look one direction and all you see is horizon. Um, you know, that is there's that one moment of quiet and calm when you're in the water that to me is like the unbelievable moment. You know, you sort of swim out as far as you can that, you know, you feel safe to do so, obviously. And you get one moment of of complete serenity uh, to say the uh, favorite word of, of course, Lake Ray Jerry Stiller. Mm. And to me, that's what I love about the beach. But then then you come back and your kids are yelling and screaming and fighting and throwing sand at each other. And it's miserable. And you're like, was it worth the, the, those five minutes of pleasure for, you know, two and a half hours of a pain in the ass? But and you get tons of sand in the car and that sand is never coming out of the car. You have sand in the car forever. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the sand is a big problem. Yeah. You just, yeah, you, you, yeah, you live with sand for the rest of your life if you go to the beach even All one right. time. So, but then, so they get to the beach, and uh, Larry asks Cheryl where he's going to change, and Cheryl says to him that you're supposed to wear your suit to the beach. Cheryl is completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's ridiculous. This no, there has to be a place to change. Yeah. And if there's not, yeah, then again, they, as we pointed out, the beach is terrible. They don't have places to oh, change. But most, most beaches have some form of a locker room. Yeah. You know, it's not a fancy beach club, but it's, it's, it's four walls and a hook, and you can you you know, qu- yeah, quickly take off your pants and put it. What is Cheryl's plan if she goes into the ocean? She's wearing her wetsuit all the way home. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, she didn't bring a change of clothes. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So Cheryl doesn't really make any sense here. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, then we, we see the scene we referenced earlier. He's uh, taking all the stuff. He's trying to get to successfully to the beach. Um, and they get there. They're settling in. Larry asks for the sunblock, as you said. He says that uh, Jews buy about 85% of the sunblock. Otherwise, they would be out of business. He's never seen a Gentile ask for or put on sunblock in his life. Uh, By the way, there's never a more clear example of the physical difference between Larry and Cheryl yeah. than when they're at the beach. She's in a bikini. He's in his regular clothes, right. including like pleated pants. Yeah, he yeah he looks so awkward. <laughs> in a sweatshirt. Uh, so Larry says he doesn't get the fascination with the ocean. You, it's nice, yeah. but you, after ten minutes, you're like, okay, I get it. Um, yeah. And so you're definitely on team. Larry. Yeah. Well, no, I, I said that I I do, I do think the ocean looks very nice. Um, although that is how I felt when I went but to after ten minutes. Yeah, you've had yeah, a- that is how I felt when I went to the Grand Canyon. Also, I was like, all right, I get it. 
Like it's you know it's very cool. So it's funny. I I I, I appreciate that you say that because it annoys me like that you're not allowed to say that about certain things. And so the answer I always give people is that like when I I'm glad that I did something because I did it. So then I don't have to hear for the rest of my life that you have to do. Yeah. It. You know what I mean. So to me like the two. Uh, examples that are polar opposites, which is why I always love to give this example because it's guaranteed to piss off somebody on one side or the other, is I always say Petra and Disney World are the exact same thing to me. Petra is like a famous old ruins in southern Jordan, very beautiful. You have to go there, one of those seven wonders of the world. And Disney World, everybody listening to this, I assume knows what Disney World is. To me, they're both the same. The only reason I'm glad I did them is so that for the rest of my life, people don't say, like in Israel, everybody says, oh, have you been to Petra? And in America, everybody says, oh, have you been to Disney World? They're both like, all right, they're fine. I'm done. I never plan to go back to either one. Of them. Interesting. I like Disney World. Have you, have you gone yeah. with your kids? Yeah. So I did go with my kids this summer. That was a much better experience than uh, having gone with my wife the first time when she made me go when we didn't have kids. But still, like, we go to any amusement park. Why does it have to be this one? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always uh, fascinated by but you the like adults. daughters, maybe. My kids yeah. are not into anybody in the Disney World as much. Right. Yeah. No, my, yeah, my, my girls loved. We went, we've gone uh, three times. They loved all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to, uh, once to Disney World, twice to Disneyland. But, you know, same idea. Yeah, the only, the only when we went when we went in January actually right before Corona, so the last time anyone would ever be able to go there ever again, my three year old was excited because he saw Mickey Mouse, but his older brothers had to say to him, "That's not Mickey Mouse. That's a guy in a Mickey Mouse costume." So, <laughs> very good. Um, all right. Well, we're talking about Disney World for some reason. I can't remember why. Yeah. And so they're you know they're still settling in, looking around, and all of a sudden Larry looks over and he sees the therapist, and he quickly ducks. Cheryl says, "Why don't you go say hi?" Um, Larry says, I can't, in that bathing suit, wants to go. Then they see, he turns around, and they see the thong, and Cheryl says, you're being ridiculous. Um, Larry concludes, I obviously can't see this therapist anymore. (laughs) The only question uh, was whether I also tell Richard Lewis that he shouldn't see the therapist anymore. That's the only question. (laughs) Now, I will say, it's not a Speedo, right? It's not a banana hammock. It is literally a thong. It is one string up the tuchus. And to me, it's not just the design, the cut. It's also... The the stripes that would really take it over the top to me. Yeah, um, it's funny. Yeah. So although the rear the rear view actually is what takes it's it. It's funny. So I uh, as you know I've been uh, binging through a bunch of seasons of Survivor recently, and the most recent season that I finished was season twenty five. And one of the players from that season, a player named Denise, uh, was a therapist. She's actually a sex therapist, and she talked about this exact thing that. She thought she felt like it was. She talked about this in the reunion show that she felt like it was hard to transition back to her therapy practice after all of her clients had seen her like on TV and like a bathing suit and exposed and vulnerable, and that it like it it maybe changed the dynamic that she had with some of her patients. So it was interesting to kind of like see this idea brought up twice in in a matter of days. Yeah, but not just because of her bathing suit outfit, like choice. No, you know, it was just like the general, like you're just like very exposed on Survivor. My question is, why does Larry have to hide on the beach for the rest of the day? Like he's not the one who has to be embarrassed here, according to him. Yeah, um, I think that's just probably like a neurosis thing. Like if like sometimes like if you're embarrassed for the other person, like you don't want to see them because then it's just going to be like an awkward interaction. And he's yeah, so you may not go hang out, but you have to hide. No, of course he no. He's he's going to switch therapists over this, obviously. (laughs) Like yeah. So anyway, uh, so Larry does. Larry does tell Richard. Yeah, so we see uh, Larry with Richard, and he asks him, "Are you sure it was him?" And then he like asks him to describe it. Is he was he doing like a Richard Simmons type thing? <laughs> and, and now Richard is just like angry at Larry that like you're, you've you've ruined this therapist for me. I'm now in my thirtieth therapy therapist. Yeah. Um, 28 therapists since 1969 <laughs> and uh, Richard wants to go to lunch with Larry so he and Larry can make a game plan for how they're going to leave this therapist together but Larry says he can't because he already has lunch plans for the uh, the charity auction yeah now I have to say Larry calls Dr. Weiss a hedonist and I really take offense to that like okay he's got terrible judgment and taste in swimwear but hedonist like I think that's very inappropriate and I don't like Larry uh, shaming Dr. Weiss here <laughs> um yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that he does anything that uh, deserves that label. Yeah. Um, so at, at the mention of the uh, the charity auction, uh, Richard asks, "What is this roots? What do you mean you're being auctioned off?" And Larry <laughs> explains that uh, apparently Richard's got lots of good references. Yeah, apparently someone has paid four thousand dollars to have lunch with him, so he, he's yeah. going to go do it. So we get to the lunch, and they introduce each other, and apparently the guy's name is John Tyler, which Larry points out is the name of uh, one of the presidents, and he asks him if he should call him Mr. President, and it's, it's clear right away that exactly what Larry said is, like, Larry's just, like, trying way too hard to be funny entertaining. Uh, yeah, but it's also, it's because this John Tyler is such yeah, a he's very Yeah, guy. he's very vanilla. 
Yeah, so I, we really need to go deep into who John Tyler is. By the way, it's funny that he's named after president because uh, not uh, less than a couple hours ago, my other podcast co-host uh, randomly sent me a message. He said, here's the all-presidential NFL team, and he gave me a list of uh, the best team made up of every position of guys whose uh, name was the same as a president. So. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, so a uh, strange coincidence because it's the second John Tyler I'm uh, talking about today. Uh, why did John Tyler pay to have lunch with Larry David? So you would assume at the least that he's like a Seinfeld fan and he'd want to ask questions about that, much like we saw in season one when the neighbors wanted to ask questions. Right, Julie, yeah, yeah. Right? But he's got no, no mention, no reference of Seinfeld whatsoever. Instead, he talks about growth syndrome in the first person. He keeps talking about we. So, so it's like, is he like some deep-pocketed guy who won something at an auction, or is he like maybe he's like a member of the board? Well, we, and so he was like a sympathy buyer. Well, we find out later. We find out at the end of the episode that presumably his it's his daughter who has growth syndrome. His niece. Yeah. Oh, his niece. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the way he's acting seems to me, me that like he was a sympathy buyer. He bought LD at lunch, the lunch at the auction because no one else was bidding up LD, and because he's a supporter of growths. Interesting. Um, because that would explain, like, because otherwise, why is he there when he's got no interest in Larry David or Seinfeld? But we know that he has a connection to Groats, so that explains both his first-person reference to the Groats organization and his awkwardness and ignorance of LD. But that actually proves LD right in what he told Rob Reiner, that nobody's going to want to bid on me and I'm going to be stuck at some lunch with a random guy. Yeah, and he does seem only interested in talking about Groats at this lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Then later, this guy threatens to cancel his $4,000 check. Right. Because of Larry's poor performance at the lunch. But maybe that's like like he's just like he's a groats insider who because of his niece. But he's still pissed at Larry. And then he like his he holds Larry hostage to come back and do another event for groats. So this guy's all about groats. Doesn't know who Larry David is, basically. Yeah, that could be Except that he's famous. Yeah, it's a it's a theory. Um, so Larry goes on to uh, reference the song Tippecanoe and Tyler 2. If he asks uh, John Tyler if he knows what Tippecanoe is, of course he doesn't. So Larry says, you know, if I was named after a president, I would know everything about him. To which John says, well, I'm not really named after him. It's just my family's name is Tyler and they named me John, which is a normal name for a person to have. Larry says, you never know. I'm named after King David. So we have a president and a king at the same table. It's a pretty big table. Uh, pretty, 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 pretty big. And then uh, Larry, for some reason, asks John if he ever caught his parents having sex. He says no. Larry says me neither. You know they did it, but you wonder when. Have you ever caught your parents having sex? Do we need to talk about that? <laughs> I, I, I was just, I had a feeling that you probably have dozens of stories on this subject. No, 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 no not dozens. Just, <laughs> no, uh, but I, I, I mentioned the pretties. You glossed right over that. Like when Larry says "pretty big table," I thought that's what was coming. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna get it later. Yeah, we do get one in this episode, but it doesn't come there. No, no. I mean, if now that we're talking about it, I guess we're talking about it to our two dozen listeners or whatever. I once, as a kid, saw something that I didn't realize until many years later. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. I definitely yeah. W- recall often going to my parents' room like in the middle of the night or if I was scared or whatever and their door being locked. And obviously, I didn't know. I, I, I guess I don't know for sure that that's what that means, but probably some of those times that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And I just, just remember being annoyed. Like, why would you lock your door at night Then your kids can't come in? Yeah, well, that, that that's reason enough. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, yeah. So, some of those, like I say, some of those times. Actually, uh, now that we're talking about this awkward conversation, I remember my sister when she was like, who's four years younger than me. So she, when she was just learning about these things, she was like twelve or thirteen, and she was talking to me, and my dad happened to be in the room, and she was talking to me about like sex and asked me some of like, very very basic questions. And she said, she said, so I remember she said, she said, so if mommy and daddy have four kids, that means that they had sex four times. And my dad overhears and says, four times? We've had sex thousands of times. <laughs> so he took great offense to my sister uh, underestimating it. <laughs> uh, so John mentions that he's from Jersey. Larry David. Larry asks if he ever saw Joe Piscopo's bit on the Jersey guy. Hey, I'm from Jersey. But John says people from New Jersey don't like that bit. Um, both of us are from New, Jersey. from New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't really have an opinion. Yeah, it's it. whatever. I don't think it's like a good bit, but it doesn't bother. It doesn't offend <laughs> me. Um, Larry then. Also, they're acting as if being from New Jersey is being from like Oklahoma. It's like really unique thing. Like Larry David's never come across somebody from New Jersey before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Larry plays. Uh, he takes the salt and pepper shakers and he decides he's going to play name that tune with them. Um, John can't guess it. And then Larry gives the answer in his sultry Marilyn Monroe voice. Happy birthday, Mr. President John Tyler. 
So uh, John, you know, decides to, uh, you know, kind of pivot the conversation away from Larry's attempts at humor. He thanks him for donating the lunch. Larry says he'd be happy to donate whatever, his time, his organs, a kidney. He has a terrific penis, an excellent spleen. He then decides to sing Mr. Spleen to the tune of Mr. Clean. <laughs> and he, and he decides. It's funny. When I was watching the episode, I didn't realize how hard Larry was trying. Oh. I hear you recapping it. Oh, everything. Boy, he was yeah, really- every, he just keeps trying to do bits. Yeah, like it, from his person, I mean, you, you got you got to respect the effort. Yeah, but it's like it's like from his like even assuming like let's say this was like a normal guy who was a Seinfeld fan, like he wants to talk to Larry about Seinfeld, like he wanted to hear stories about Jerry and Jelaine and things that happened on the set. Yeah. Like you don't want to see like Larry David like trying to do like bits off the cuff at lunch, yeah, like like a cloud. Yeah, uh, he points out that if uh, you switch Monsieur to the French Monsieur, it sounds like Monsieur Clean, which I, I don't even know what that is. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, what about the uh, Spanish instead? <laughs> yes, with the um, So John then, uh, again, tries to pivot the conversation onto something more normal to talk about. He explains what growth syndrome is. Well, I don't know if that's more normal. Well, given the con- right, he's just looking for, yeah. he's looking for something to talk about. And he's like, well, this yeah. is where you're here. Um, I looked it up. I don't know if you, if you realize this. Growth syndrome is made up. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? I feel good at real. Oh, did you watch this thinking it could have been real? As I was watching it, I was like, oh, I, I wonder if, like, because I looked up to see. Oh, I thought, I thought it had to be obviously fake because it's, you know, I don't know. Anyway, all right. Um, Larry's. I just think that if it was real, then Larry wouldn't, like, the way that they make fun of the niece at the end of the episode. Right, well, by then I knew it was fake. Yeah. Uh, like, if it's a real condition, I don't think that they're getting away with making fun of a child who suffers from that Yeah, condition. yeah, for sure. Um, so Larry speculates that maybe uh, the disease is named after Dick Rote, who used to play shortstop for the Pirates, and he was bald guy, and he didn't feel well because he was always too excited. <laughs> uh, but John assures him that it was named for the doctor who diagnosed it, as our most... Uh, most most syndromes are named after the doctor who had it, who who diagnosed it, yeah. not a, a famous baseball player who had it. Well, Doctor Lou Gehrig happened to yes. be the inventor of Lou Gehrig's disease. Lou Gehrig's disease. So, um, yeah. so uh, Larry decides to tell John about the uh, the story with the therapist and the thong. And while he's in the middle of telling it, all of a sudden, <clears throat> Larry's food comes, and he asks John if he can eat. John says, "Well, he says it's only going to be a couple minutes. Why don't you wait?" And they get into a lengthy back and forth about the merits of waiting for the other person's food to come in a restaurant before you eat. And Larry says, you know, I think, I think that's really dumb. If your food had came first, I would say, go ahead. What do I care? John says it's polite to wait. Larry says it's polite to make the other person not eat right away. And John says, you know, the whole point of this is that we're supposed to be eating together, which Larry says, well, that doesn't mean like literally at the same time we're starting our meal. And the, the, what I think John makes the best point is that like your food is it's not like you're eating something hot, like you're eating a cold sandwich. Yeah. Like nothing's gonna change. Well, like, yeah, no, it's fair. The worst thing a restaurant can do, according to Doctor Jen, is serve one person's course before yeah. the other person. She hates this. Like everyone at the table should be served at once. I agree. It creates an unfair burden on the person who's received their food, as we see here. But like, and you're right. Larry happened to get a cold sandwich, so waiting wouldn't really affect the food in a way it would if it was temperature dependent. Like, if they give you a hot dish or like ice cream or something like that, like you don't have to wait. Now, if you're with like a loved one, you may want to share with them. I don't know if you want to share with John Tyler, especially <laughs> in these COVID times. Yeah, well, you could, you but, could um, catch like, but even from him. but but even if it's just a cold sandwich, I still feel for Larry. He's hungry. He's staring at a sandwich. Yeah, I mean, I I think Larry. I wouldn't finish before his food comes. But you want to take a nibble, eat eat a French fry or something. Yeah, I mean, like Larry, you know, he should do the polite thing, especially when this guy paid four thousand dollars to have lunch with him. And like clearly, it's bothering him if he's going to eat it. So just like wait. Um, but well, once it becomes an argument, then then it's then it's only Larry David on curry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, but John is also being like very annoying. Like I would like yeah. be, kind of like roll my eyes if somebody did that to me. But like I wouldn't say no, you shouldn't eat. I would say yeah, go ahead. Yeah. By the way, it's funny that Dick Crote, you know, a great uh, uh, shortstop from the fifties, is a main topic of this episode because when I see the John Tyler conversation, like the way it starts, I always think of when I w- I went to law school with someone named Luke Appling which is the name of, of even a better shortstop than Dick Rode, a Hall of Fame shortstop from the 40s and 50s, I think, on the White Sox, or 30s and 40s. Um, and the first day of the you know the first day of my first section in law school, I, I sit next to this kid, his name is Luke Appling, and I say, oh, like the baseball player. And he had no, he had, he's like, who, what? I'm like, you know, Luke Appling is the name of a Hall of Fame baseball player. And he's like, no, I, and I'm not related to him. And he claims he didn't know who he was. And like to this day, I think that he was just being very straight laced and doing a bit, which he never like gave up the bit as long as I knew him. There's no way your name Luke Appling and you haven't heard that a hundred times. Right? Yeah, the same thing happened to me. I once met a guy at like a networking event or something, and his name was like Harry Hood, H U D E. And there's a pretty popular fish song named Harry Hood. And I was like, oh, like the fish song. 
And he's like, what's what fish song? I'm like, come on. Like, there's no way like you live in New York and you're like my age. And like, I'm not saying you have to be a fish fan, but like at some point you're going to come across a fish fan who's going to say, oh, like the song. But it was pronounced hood, not hood. I don't know how it was pronounced. It was spelled H-U-D-E, I think. Oh. Um, so I was like, oh, Harry, like maybe, maybe he's related to Harry Houdini. Yeah, whatever it was. I was just like, I, heard of I'm like I don't, yeah, I've never heard of him. No one's ever said that. Um, anyway, um, do we want to do a quick a quick breakdown of uh, where uh, Dick Grote ranks in uh, the Chester charts? <laughs> well, not as high as Luke Appling. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dick Grote, uh, Dick Grote won the MVP in 1960, but he kind of stole it because, you know, Eddie Matthews and Willie Mays. and many So that was that was a quite, uh, quite a middle infield with uh, Mazeroski, I guess. Yeah, so that in sixty they well Mazeroski is even a Mazeroski's in the Hall of Fame right, actually. but he's not good. No, he's not good at all. He's in the Hall because, of Fame because of the home run yeah. play. Yeah, um, I, Dick Grote was better than so Dick Grote won the MVP in nineteen sixty, and then he was actually in nineteen sixty three. He went to the Cardinals at the end of his career, and he was he was I think second for the MVP that year. And that's the sixty three Dick Grote season is in my opinion the best season by a Cardinals shortstop in history. So um, better than yeah. Ozzie Smith. And so, well, is an individual season. So that's right. Ozzy Ozzy Smith obviously a better player, but Ozzy Smith doesn't have a season with better know, than Dick, the better than Dick Rose's best season. Got it. Cool. Yeah, just be, just because just because of the fact that Ozzy Smith, you know, his OPS was like six eighty every year. So yeah, obviously, you know, you'd rather Ozzy Smith than Dick. Yeah. Rose. Again, I, I have Ozzy Smith in my top ten shortstops. Dick Rose I have in like the seventies or eighties or something like that. So. Got it. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, Larry uh, is basically uh, eyeing his sandwich, and we, we're kind of seeing whether he's uh, going to decide to take a bite or not. So we head back to the therapist's office, and Larry's waiting in the waiting room. Rob comes out. He thanks him for switching appointments, and Rob asks about the lunch, what went on. Larry says he felt too much pressure, and, you know, I, I told you this was going to happen, basically, and Rob brings up the Dick Grote situation. Why did you say that he was, you know, that's what it was named after? Which, like, that's not, like, offensive. I don't know why he brought that up. Um, oh, I guess it's because— And also, did this guy snitch his entire meal to Rob? Sounds Reiner? like Every it. single detail of the meal. Well, I guess if I spent $4,000 to have lunch with a celebrity and I had a terrible experience, I might go back and say, hey, what the hell? Really? If you spend four thousand dollars, you're like rich enough, and you're like you did it for the purpose of charity. You keep your mouth shut. Maybe you tell your. Friends, I guess go back to if I spent a lot of money for like a, a charity for like an experience, and I and it ended up being like really bad, and the guy was like obnoxious. I I don't I don't think it's wrong to go back. You complain to Rob Reiner, like who, a, a celebrity who's involved with the organization. I, I don't I don't know what Rob Reiner's role is. It's possible he maybe yeah. he's I don't, I don't know maybe he. he By the way, how close are Rob Reiner and LD that Reiner is attacking LD like this, yeah. for having done him a favor? Yeah, well, well like LD's responsible. You know what? Fuck <laughs> exactly. He's mad at Larry that he didn't read the literature that he gave him because, yeah. of course, he didn't read the literature you gave him. What are you talking about? Uh, he criticized him for not waiting to eat. He's angry. He says John is angry. He wants to cancel the check unless Larry shows that he's committed to gross. Yeah. Um, Larry says, can I just write the yeah. check? Much like he wanted in season one with, with the boots. With the shoes. And Rob yeah. Ryder says that's not the point. And much like with the shoes, actually, that is the point. The <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> no, you have to be involved with Groats. Being and, Groats uh, yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? That was never on the table for Larry. Like, you you pitched him on, you're a celebrity, yeah. and maybe some, maybe we'll be able to raise money off you. The, the money was yeah. the point. Not for Larry to become a, a Groats activist. It's a, it's a, by the way, Av, um, can you have a life with Groats syndrome? Uh, you can, and the uh, and he in fact says that Larry should uh, help host this uh, ta- this talent show because the talent show will show people that people with groats can lead a normal life. Yes, you can have a life with growth syndrome. Uh, actually, I would say Rob Reiner does a really good job in, in this episode in terms of his performance as an actor, uh, just being so annoying. Michael McKean actually plays a similar role on Curb later, and he's so annoying that Larry literally moves to New York to avoid. It. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, did you watch Breaking Bad? Right? Yeah, of course. So. I hated the first couple of seasons of Breaking Bad so much because of the Michael McKean character, who I found so annoying because I was so annoyed by Michael McKean on Curb. Hmm. That's funny. And so I was actually very relieved when, uh, uh, with no spoilers, when the Michael McKean character was not as prominently involved in Breaking right. Bad. Right. But I, you mean Better Call Saul, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I say Breaking Bad every time I meant Better Call Saul? Though? Yes. I, f- yeah, I, figured so, it, I figured out in the middle what, what was going on. How may be? Yeah. Maybe. yeah. Um, Sorry about that, yeah. guys. So Larry gets called into the office. He goes in. He tells his therapist, I have great news. I'm all better, and I don't need the therapy. I feel pretty, 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 pretty good. That is, I believe, five our— pretties. No, he gave five pretties. Five pretties? Five. Oh, all right. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, um, I believe that's our second pretty, pretty, pretty good so far in the series. Um, he says, I had an epiphany, and I'm ready to terminate. He refers to himself as the Terminator. Um, I believe that is a reference to the 1984 Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Terminator. 
Um, Larry asks if, you know, this epiphany, was it as, as a result of being going to the beach? Larry says, actually, I didn't go. I went shopping instead, which, uh, a ver- again, a very unnecessary Larry lie. He Completely, completely Yeah, you could say, like, you went to the beach and... He yeah. doesn't, that's not admitting that you saw him. There's many beaches. But, but the beach. if, he, like, if he saw Weiss, Weiss could have seen him. Right. It just, it's not worth the risk of the lie. Yeah. And also, like, whatever. You never know. There, somebody else could have seen him there or, you know. But anyway, that was besides the point. It's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, but Larry says, you know, but, you know, if I ever uh, intermittently have a need to come back to therapy, I hope you'll welcome me back, which, of course, he'll need because he doesn't actually need to quit therapy. Um, and the therapist asks if you, you know, you have really, have you resolved all your issues? Like, what about Jason Alexander? And Larry starts getting all worked up. He recounts, you know, all the tension with the meanings and how everything fell apart. And Larry says, you know, you're, it's, you seem very agitated right now. Um, you, you said, you're saying you feel great. And Larry says, I do feel great. But if you're going to remind me of the Holocaust, not going to feel so great. Um, Larry says, I'm actually ebullient, which you've never seen before. So that's why you're, you're, you think I'm agitated, but I'm really not. And the therapist says he, he, see, he sees for agitation. Yeah, he sees swings of emotions that disturb him a little bit. And Larry says, "There's no swing. I'm a hammock. No a hammock is very placid." Yeah. Um, By the way, this idea of a therapist knowing the patient so well that they won't allow the patient to terminate the relationship is reminiscent of Elaine and Doctor Reston. Yeah. Yeah, but I assume that, that uh, Doctor Reston succeeds, and here Doctor Weiss does. Yeah, not. I assume this happens a lot, specifically with therapists that like the patient like just doesn't want to do it anymore, and the therapist. Whether honestly or not, insists like you need to continue therapy. Yeah, it's a conflict of interest. Though. Yeah, but you know, often it's probably the therapist looking out for the patient and knowing that you know you're not in a position to be, not, be going through life without therapy. Um, yeah. Larry points out the irony here that it's actually because the fact that you're such a good therapist cured me, and now I no longer need to be in therapy. So it's really a shame. And the therapist points out that he knows he's lying because he knows he was at the beach, and he asks if the reason that he's leaving is because of the thong. So now this leads me to believe that it really is he didn't see him because the only way he would know that it was because of the thong is because somebody told him that. Like, unless he's like he's so hyper. Oh, no, I think this has happened before to this therapist. He, it's happened before that a patient saw him in the yeah, beach and this, left on him. This it? therapist is rocking the thong. He's telling people he, the therapist recommends people come to the beach. He shows off his goods at the beach. And this therapist is... <laughs> yeah, I don't agree. <laughs> there's left there's right. no way that somebody could simultaneously be so not self-aware to dress like that, but then be yeah. self-aware enough to know that patients are leaving him because oh, of it. I disagree. It's not a lack of self-awareness. It's confidence, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm on Dr. Weiss's side here. <laughs> could be. Could be. I, I may not personally rock that at the beach, but I say, you know, you know, all the power to those who do. All right. Fair enough. Um so we uh, the session ends. We go. Larry goes back out to the waiting room, and Richard Lewis is waiting. I guess they they stack up all of Larry and his friends one after the other at yeah. the therapist's office. <laughs> and Larry and Richard, by the way, start yelling at each other <laughs> in Weiss's lobby about Doctor Weiss. Obviously, yes. Uh, he comes out. Uh, Richard Lewis is there. He says he's onto us. He knows about the thong. Larry speculates that Tyler Tyler must have told Rob Reiner, who then told the therapist. And he says, "How did you? So how good. did you get out?" He said, "I told him I'm happy." And now Richard Lewis is upset because I said oh, that was my excuse. I was going to tell him that I was happy. Larry suggests, "Why don't you claim that you're a Scientologist now, and that's why you don't need to go to therapy anymore. Now, Richard's argument, by the way, is self-defeating because Richard complains, like to Larry, there's like he says there's no explanation other than you're better because if you're not better, you can't leave. But if that's true, then he can't accuse Larry of having stolen his termination excuse because according to Richard, it's the only valid excuse. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. So it doesn't really make really like Richard's mad at Larry. I think that I don't understand why Richard can't be also have been, you know, cured just because Larry's been cured. Yeah. Can't be the only one. Yeah, you're right. Um, so we go uh, we go over to the talent show that Larry... Although, actually, I'm correcting myself now. If if either Richard or Larry has shared with Dr. Weiss sort of their neurotic relationship with each other, which they probably have because Larry seems to be pretty open book with his therapist, right? Yeah. He told him about Jason Alexander. He tells him about Cheryl. So he's probably told him about like when he wrestled in <laughs> right. idiotic fights with Richard. So if that's the case, then I guess he'd be suspicious if they show up back to back and they both have the same experience. But also, like, who cares? So he'll be suspicious and he'll know that you're lying. Who, like, you, 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 well, if you're terminating, if you're walking away and you never see this guy again because you don't want to see him in his thong, then yeah, you're right. Then who cares? Right. You're, you're not seeing him because whatever. He's not going to be your therapist anymore because of what you decided yeah, for. Out some, of spite. Tell him yeah, you decided for something. You, you could say because fuck you. Like, it doesn't matter. He, yeah. There's nothing he could do to you. I don't think, I don't think therapists have returned <laughs> Yeah, like, there's nothing you could do. Like, it's over. You're out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I still hear it. Like it's 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 hard to break up with somebody, whether it's a uh, you know a significant other or a podcast host. Yeah. 
And yet the divorce rate is so high in this country. Yeah, people, people, seem, to people seem to find a way. I don't understand it. Uh, yeah, we'll learn later in Curb how jealous everyone is of uh, Funkhauser when, when he gets to do it. Yeah. Um, so we're at the talent show, and there's uh, a singer. By the way, Av, how did Groats sell out that entire auditorium? Well, Ever since well Groats afflicts many people. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Larry comes on. He says she's living proof of the great work being done by the scientists, and he has been assured that after they come up with a cure for groats, they're going to tackle baldness next, which gets a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, he gets a few good laughs. Um, he introduces the next performer, pianist named... By the way, and again, you're right. Here, they don't want to hear Larry doing stand-up. All they want to hear Larry doing is dropping Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in 2001. Yeah, yeah. so it's all about it. Um, so he introduces Melanie Tyler... The, a pianist and she starts playing at first it's nice and then she just gets very fast and becomes very chaotic and it becomes clear that like this uh this needs to end so larry goes he first starts clapping her off and that's she's not taking the cue so he starts you know trying to like pull her away from the piano and she punches him in the face and tackles him and our episode comes to an end yeah i, I cannot understand larry's decision making here like why does he think that he's the one who needs to pull her off the stage what's in it for him to initiate that interaction yeah, I mean, he's like, I guess he's the host of the events, but yeah, he should just be like, yeah, he doesn't give yeah, a shit. Don't, don't get involved. <laughs> yeah, let let her therapist or her parents or her uncle who's in the crowd or, yeah. yeah, there's really no reason for him to get involved here. All right, Ob, so how do you rank uh, the thong? Um, I thought this was like pretty middle of the road. I would say I'd probably give it around three pretties out of five. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, three. So is, is three sort of your mean ranking, would you say? Uh, yeah, I, I think like a three is kind of like a B to B plus range. And, you know, I'm actually going to tell you right now, your average ranking right now is a 2.93. Oh, there you go. So you're almost. Yes, yeah, so you're also perfect. Per, and actually, I think we're going to get higher. Probably the average is going to move up because I think the show gets better yeah. after the first two seasons. So for that reason, you're going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Uh, it was it was an average episode. It was OK. It wasn't great. It doesn't stand out as much as, you know. Uh, Thor and Trick or Treat and a couple of great episodes that we have coming up in this season uh, later in season two in my opinion yeah but still it's I, I would say that what seems to be good about season two so far is that we've had two excellent episodes and then the weaker episodes are still average episodes like we haven't had yeah. any real clunkers yet in this season yeah yeah there's nothing as bad as for sure like season two is, is definitely better than season one yep all right <laughs> And what about your come with My guy? My come with guy. Um, I think I'm going to follow your lead from last week and break our rule. And I'm going to go with Larry David as the come with guy in this episode. Well, he comes with himself. He, okay. uh, well, you know, I, I think he does, he does some good things here. He's first of all, he's in therapy. That's good for him. He takes Cheryl to the beach. He does two charity events or two things for charity, and he offers to cover the check when things you know blow up. So you know, I, I think uh, Larry's kind of like living the best version of himself in this episode. He's still yeah. still not a great guy, but. Yeah. So, yeah, Larry gets to come with himself uh, for you. I'm going to, to me, you know, I liked Rob Reiner a lot. I, I thought he was, uh, you know, did a very good job as an actor. But the character himself was so annoying, I thought, and unreasonable to Larry. To me, the come with guy is going to be Dr. Weiss. Yeah, that's fair. He really does nothing wrong except wear this, you know, bathing suit, which is an unusual choice yeah. for uh, a man of his age. But, again, more power to him. He's proud of his body. He's got nothing to be ashamed of. I don't think he lacks self-awareness. I think he's got more self-awareness than you and I combined. And he's confident. And he knows how to treat his patients, and he knows how to help them get happy and be better, and, and same with himself. So I got no problem with Dr. Weiss, and he's getting unfairly castigated by these uptight, you know, Larry. Uh, he's so kinky that he, uh, he's an ass man and wants to have sex in the middle of the day, but he can't let a, a man wear a, a, a revealing bathing suit. So yeah, so my come with guys, Dr. Weiss, unfairly. Yeah, uh, much, much like uh, Kramer and Newman in the reverse people, he says if people want to look, let them enjoy the yeah. show. Exactly. That's a very healthy attitude. Yeah. By the way, basically my attitude also. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for worst person, I'm actually going to say Rob Reiner. I think uh, he he doesn't behave very well. He uh, he strong arms Larry against his will, even though like Larry's like really not comfortable doing the lunch. He think he thinks he's going to be bad. He's insecure about it. And then when it goes badly, he blames him, even though Larry told him it was going to go badly. Larry offers to cover the check, and he gives Larry a lecture about how it's not about the money, it's about growth syndrome, which is bullshit. And then he forces him to do another event. He's a complete asshole in this. And I get he's doing it, he's like, in theory, doing it for a good cause, but he's, you know, if Larry's his friend, he's completely, he's very abusive to him in this episode. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's a very fair uh, nomination. I'm going to nominate John Tyler. He has a negative personality. Like <laughs> yeah. He's completely lacking a personality. And then he holds a charity hostage <laughs> unless a third party does something for them. Like, what the fuck kind of asshole is this? <laughs> I won't give you charity that I already pledged to you unless some other person who you have no control over gives you more charity. Like, it's insane. John Tyler, go to hell. <laughs> yeah, John Tyler is also not a bad president. Where does he rank on your president ranking side? Um... Well, he's at least second. He's, he's, he's no worse than second worst. <laughs> Fair, yeah. You just hate Barack Obama that much. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy's middle name is John. Yeah. Rob Reiner makes an appearance as himself. Yes. But yeah, I, I don't think that uh, affects our... He's he's more, I think, probably more famous than Kathy Griffin, but less famous than Julia or Ted Danson or Jason. Yeah. I, I think he... I mean, up until 1990, he would have been more famous than any of them. Although, well, I guess Danson had cheers. But yeah, by two, by by the mid-2000s, Rob Reiner is like a director who's, you know, faces... You know, right. I mean, what do we know? When Harry Met Sally is probably the first thing people come to mind for Rob Reiner's affair. For sure. Um, yeah. And uh, Rob Reiner's mother, of course, delivers the most famous yes, line in the movie. She's having, yeah, um, yeah. He's not. You, you wouldn't necessarily recognize his face as much as you recognize his name, but his name is also. Used but he as, was definitely a big, like, na- a big face in Hollywood in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I'm, I'm sure he probably showed up on SNL. Um, he was hobbing. He was nobbing. Was he on SNL? Let's see. Yeah, I guess we can actually look this up instead of speculating. Ah, uh, yes. He uh, in 1975 he hosted an episode only one time. Okay, yeah. but in the debut season, so yeah, he was on their wish list. Yep, or their acquirable list. All right, let's jump into our uh, postman, 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 postman. Come here, tell the neighborhood. All right, we have three emails this week. First one up from Bob Savage. He says, I don't really have a lot to say this week about this episode. Had no recollection of the storyline. My least favorite of the season and the series so far. Wow. I thought the awkwardness of the lunch scene got old really quick. Uh, I thought the struggle at at the end with the young girl was mildly amusing. Larry said five pretties at the therapist, but Bob gives this episode one and a half pretties. So Bob, very low on the thong. By the way, Bob, let us know, have you ever started to say your name? And when you got to the first syllable in your last name, were you ever asked if you were familiar with Bob Sacamano? <laughs> Just curious. Not great, Bob. Yeah. Harry Hood is Harry Houdini and Bob Sacamano. Yeah. You know, um, Zach Brooks writes in. He says, Av was right. Of course I was. About the Larry crarrying crap to the beach scene. It had some really pretty funny moments, but Larry is so Trumpy at times during this. Trumpy. Wait, how does he know that you were right about the, something that happened in the episode we're talking about? Because I talked about it last week. Oh, you mentioned I, it When we talked right, about yeah. next week's episode, we, I would said, oh, that, yeah. that, it has that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, this episode also doesn't tie the therapist and the auction story together that well, besides for the waiting room. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of a little contrived. Uh, the thong doesn't play that important of a role overall. doesn't play an important role. It causes two people yeah, to quit their therapist. Also, I was going to say an important role if it falls off, you know, and then the therapist might be getting arrested at the beach. What I want to know is why Rob Reiner is still going to a therapist who wears a thong to the beach. <laughs> well, again, Rob Reiner's, uh, you know, he's freely uh, advertising his mother's orgasms in his movies. That's right. So he's a, he's a more free spirit than uh, uptight Larry. All right. Final email from none other than Olin Allen. He says, I didn't remember much about this episode originally. However, as re- I was rewatching it, it was fantastic. Just a great flow throughout. Strongly relate to Larry in relation to subjects one would like to talk about in therapy and not being a beach guy. Although I do enjoy Irish Winter Beach, which is a totally different experience. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, tell us what is Irish Winter Beach. Yeah. By the way, the beach scene is so good that maybe is it, no two and a half is fine. Yeah, no, the beach scene is very good, but yeah, there, there's the other, the rest of the episode. There's not a lot of strength. Yeah. Uh, the lack of people is a big bonus. Yeah, I guess it makes sense if it's the winter. Um, he uh, Olin says that he is a gentile that doesn't really buy sunscreen. All right, so maybe there's something to it. <laughs> um, he asks. Now also, I, it, it might not be that harsh of a sun in Ireland, especially at, in the winter at the beach. I don't know. Yes. He wonders if Chester would have paid over $4,000 to win the auction. He says, I don't think I would go that far unless I was spite bidding against someone like Chester. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, if, if you're doing it for charity, that's one thing. But in terms of like the desire for the lunch, there's nobody that I would want to pay to have lunch with because if I'm paying them to have lunch, like it's such an unequal. Like if I happen to be invited to like a meal and Larry David was there, oh, that's great. 
but if I'm paying to have lunch with Larry David one on one, then it's awkward. Yeah. It's the same reason. That's why it's, it's like sex. Well, that's why I pay for it. Yeah. When if I apply myself, maybe I can get it for free. Right. And that's really what Larry is basically his argument was at the beginning that like it's going to cause like unreasonable expectations for this lunch and it's going to put too much pressure on it and it's not going to be a good experience. So, uh, yeah. and he's what I would right. do if I was like in a situation where I had the money to do this and it was an organization I wanted to support, I would get it for a friend of mine. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, so Olin, yeah, he said, yeah, <laughs> you, like to to yeah you guys could bid against each other to buy it for each other, <laughs> for each other. Yeah, <laughs> there was an, I'm trying to remember, there was an episode of a show where two people were bidding on a car. I can't remember what it was, and they were they were well, they they bid on golf clubs, obviously. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't it wasn't uh, Curb or Seinfeld. I can't remember what it was. Um, anyway, he says he thought Larry was in pretty good humor for the lunch as well and gave a great experience. Originally was bemused by what President Tyler was expecting, but it was obvious it was just a bid to help the charity. There you go. So he's he's on board with you. Maybe yeah. with some vague admiration of Seinfeld. Yeah, that's like he could be like he's like some like super casual Seinfeld fan. He's like, oh yeah, I know about the super Nazi. Oh Seinfeld, I'm gonna. And then but he's he like, didn't even mention Seinfeld yeah, at all. Yeah, in it's fact, weird. Every time he had a chance to talk about anything, he talked about gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would be super delighted with that, Larry. Myself, although I may have to introduce myself as Franklin Pierce to get a similar experience. Yeah. By the way, I think it actually would have been, <laughs> it would have even been even funnier if. You know how Larry always in the first two seasons he's like you know, the Seinfeld show, the Seinfeld show, and the people either are unfamiliar or aren't fans. It would have been funnier if they had a scene where Tyler's like, "Oh yeah, I know about that show," <laughs> but he had no interest in it. Yeah, um, he lists some highlights. He said the whole John Tyler scene as a U.S. presidential buff. I knew where Larry would take things once the name was going. Richard Lewis with another zinger asking if Larry was in roots when he was being auctioned off. <laughs> Great physical comedy with the beach equipment. Larry in therapy comparing a meeting with Jason Alexander to the Holocaust. Uh, he thought John T- Tyler's daughter. He, he also thought it was daughter. I guess, yeah, I guess we have a contradiction. We, th- I, me, and T- Owen think daughter. You think niece. Bad piano playing wasn't good by classical standard, but I found it to be quite fun and enjoyable to listen to, like a skillful reinterpretation, and would have enjoyed to hear it play out. He gives to come with guy to Richard Lewis again. Surprising how great I am finding him. Regularly comes out with great lines. Also had one of his relatively brightest outfits on. The villain, he's going to go for the therapist for the audacity of wearing a thong and ending his sessions with uncomfortable hugs. Overall, he gives it four pretty goods out of five. Love the podcast last week with a buzzed Alex. Keep up the great work, guys. Keep up the great emails, Olin. Yeah, very nice email. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm rethinking myself because I was very defensive of Dr. Weiss in his outfits and his self-confidence. But I've totally forgot about how he's such a terrible therapist that he has no interest in his patients <laughs> right. other than when they're paying. Right. Won't, won't talk, won't even like make pleasantries with them in the bathroom. Yeah, so I'm actually, you know what, fuck you, Dr. Weiss. Uh, can I can I take back uh, a Come With Guy award or is it too late? I, I think you, we can do whatever we want here. <laughs> All right, well, but uh, if I take it back, I don't know who to give it to. I mean, Richard Lewis had a great line, but his role wasn't that big. And, you know, you're, you're really throwing caution to the wind by making Larry his own Come With Guy. So. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you know what? It, I think it maybe bespeaks that this wasn't such a great episode that we're having trouble coming up with the Come With and the villain, like really good ones. It's, it's, I think the best Curb episodes, we've found that those are like yeah. very well, clear the, candidates. Well, I think Reiner and, and, and yeah. John Tyler and Dr. Weiss are all re- reasonably good Yeah, villains. that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, not villains in real life, but villains about the inanities that, you know, make yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So, yeah. Other than Dean. Dean is an actual villain. Yeah. <laughs> and, prob- and, and probably Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ob, So this was a pretty good episode. What do we have next week? Next week, we are going to cover the acupuncturist. Uh, an acupuncturist agrees to waive his fee if he cannot cure Larry's neck pain. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's really – it's a continuation of Seinfeld when they have various uh, service professionals – that they have conflicts with. I'm surprised acupuncture hasn't come up through nine seasons of Seinfeld and one and a half seasons of Curb, but uh, this is a very classic episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we mentioned this this last week, the the argument over the definition of the word better, which I yeah. thought was a very... Have, a very... You ever, have you ever been to an acupuncture stop? Uh, I have... No, I did not. But I once... So I went... Uh, I got injured in a, in a car accident. Not too bad, but I went to this like physical therapy place and you know I did a few sessions of physical therapy and then they're like, oh, we think you should like... We have a chiropractor here, you know because your back is hurting, why don't you go the, for a couple sessions with the chiropractor? And I was like, mm, really? I don't really know about chiropractors. You know, they have a bad reputation. And then they're like, oh, and also we want you to go to... With no, with no offense intended to any of our chiropractors. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> offense. <laughs> um, and then uh, they're like, oh, and maybe also you should go see our acupuncturist. And I was like, all right, I think I'm going to get out of this place because you guys are obviously just trying to shuffle, shuttle me from one doctor to another in order to just like bill me for as much as I'm willing to pay. I'm not afraid of needles, but the idea of someone sticking a bunch of needles into me does not appeal to yeah, me. Yeah, there was no chance I was going to do it. 
But I feel like people who do go to the acupuncturist swear by it. I mean, you know, if you go to the ac- acupuncturist with, with frequency and there are people who do that, you must think that it's... Pretty, 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 pretty good. 